Welcome to a historic Vegas Sports Press production. We're going to call this the Tom Mathwick Show. We're going to bring interviews, special standalone podcasts uh, to complement our other regular weekly podcast. And today we have a special guest with us from the Las Vegas 51s, Mr. Eric Eisenberg. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a great honor to be your first guest. Very excited. So uh, I'd like to start off this podcast by going over uh, what you do with 51s, uh, what your title is. You're a bigwig there. What do you do with the team, uh, and what is your official title? Official title is Vice President of Ticket Sales. That means I'm in charge of the entire ticket department um, from ticket sales, service, operations. Uh, basically, our, we're in charge of generating revenue from the ticket department, uh, selling season tickets, groups, um, individual game tickets at the box office. Um, so that's our that's our main goal is to generate revenue out of the, out of the ticket sales department and also uh, provide excellent customer service to our clients. So I've always wanted to work in sports, and it's a great way to make a career. Gotcha. Yeah. So for all of our Wisconsin listeners and Midwest uh, listeners, obviously friends of mine, people that we know, Eric is a Wisconsin native. So um, when I met Eric, we bonded over Badger and Packer, mutual mutual love. So uh, yeah, we'll get more into that obviously later on the podcast. But I want to stick with uh, some fifty ones here. This is all about the fifty ones. Um, Going to the season, this is your downtime right now. So what are some of the things that you do um, to prepare for the upcoming season? I know, obviously, it's early now before Christmas season, but um, I'm guessing after the new year, you start ramping up uh, everything when it comes to the 2017 season. It was it was our downtime. Now it's really ramped up. I mean, our season ended. Uh, end of it's, It always ends on Labor Day every year. We didn't make the playoffs, so we were done after, after September. So September's pretty light. October is pretty light as well, but... Once November hit and we announced Big League Weekend, we have the Chicago Cubs coming out to play the Cincinnati Reds. Business has been booming. I mean, it was we've had the biggest four days in, in 51's history um, last week. And just so people know, this is the real Cubs that come into town uh, and play uh, real Cubs. Yeah, pre- March, a spring training game with their basic, most of their major league yeah, players. Yeah, like last year we had Cubs versus Mets. Uh, Chris Bryant played. He had two homers. Um, we had a bunch of players. We had uh, Cespedes out here, Granderson. Uh, from the Mets, so we had a lot of great players, and we'll have the same same this year. We'll have the we'll have Rizzo, uh, Chris Bryant, and those guys are coming out March 25th and 26th. Uh, Joey Votto will be here, um, so we'll have a lot of great players coming out for those games, and you'll see the major league players uh, at Cashman Field uh, for the. I think it's, I don't know, I think it's the 30, 30th consecutive season we've had that. This year, I want to go. This will be my first first uh, Cubs game. Yeah, even though I dislike the Cubs, everybody knows I wrote a. Uh, actually, the only nice thing I wrote about or said about the Cubs, I uh, published a few weeks ago on our website. So, um, The Cubs last year was a Cinderella season, and we've had a lot of fans come out of the woodworks being uh, – they've just come out of nowhere. How Cubs is – some people might be not confused but wonder, how did the 51s have the relationship with the Cubs? Because obviously they're they're affiliated with the Mets. Um, how Is it because of Chris Bryant? Was it before that? Is it uh, – uh, the yeah. interest in the team being a national team like the Yankees, the Cubs, a lot of fans all over the place. Yeah, Cubs have a lot of fans all over. Ideal ideal scenario is we have the Mets come out and play the Cubs since they're they're our affiliate. Uh, it's difficult to the Met, get the Mets come out to play out here because they're coming from Florida during spring training. It's a long flight to come during the spring training. It, it's best if this if uh, it's at the end of the season or at the end of spring training so they can fly out and then fly to uh, uh, their 
their first game on the, in the at, at the wherever they play on the road. But the players uh, are probably like, I wish well, let's go to Vegas for the weekend. They're oh probably- yeah, I mean they can't be. It. I mean we've David Wright came out. We've had a lot of great players come out here from the Mets. Uh, but the Cubs been here for 13 years in a row. We've had a relationship. Uh, the president of our team, Don Logan, has a relationship with them. Uh, the LVCVA has a has a great relationship with the Cubs as well. So it's just a it's a, just a Las Vegas relationship with the Cubs that really makes that happen. And the Chris Bryant connection just kind of solidifies that or makes it even yeah, stronger. Yeah, and it, it worked out great because he's from Las Vegas. He's a huge name, NL MVP. Um, and we announced the same day that he won NL MVP. So uh, those phones were ringing off the hooks uh, off the hook when we first uh, announced big league. Gotcha, gotcha. So uh, speaking of stars in the 51s, um, give us a little overview of the upcoming season. We mentioned off pod that they made a manager switch. Um, Can you explain who the new manager is uh, going forward and what to expect kind of from uh, this year's squad? Maybe some names that some baseball experts might recognize that we playing for 51s. Yeah, so last year, Wally Backman was our manager the last four years. He was a great guy, Um, great manager too. I mean, we we made the playoffs for the first time in 2013 for the first time since uh, i think 2002 uh, we made it two consecutive years we fought for the playoffs the last two seasons but kind of fell short um this year we're gonna have uh pedro lopez from he he was a double a manager last season um so he'll be our first year out here he's got a he's got a good roster again we got we just announced the baseball uh, top 10 baseball america prospects this year um i think we're gonna have five or six of those guys play with us to start the season Gavin Ciccini, um, Brandon Nimmo, to name a few, Seth Lugo. Um, so those are those are a couple guys that will play with us next season. Some of those names will end up being more familiar. Can you rattle off a few names? Obviously, me living in here in Vegas, I've been familiar with some of the Mets prospects. Can you yeah. rattle off a few names that people would recognize that have been uh, with 51s, let's say, like the last five years yeah. or so? Well, those guys, I mean, Brandon Nimmo, he played in the majors last yep. year. Um, we had 13, 14 guys on the World Series roster from two years ago. Syndergaard, um, Syndergaard, DeGrom. Mats, Degrom, uh, all the Tra- good young pitching, all the young pitching. Yeah, Travis Darno. Um, we didn't get we did we haven't got like a David Wright to come down and play with us, but uh, or a Cespedes. But we've had uh, we've had some great talent. I mean, the pitchers are are the top of the line. That's my that's a good segue for me. So on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for the possibility of Tim Tebow? being called up to the AAA squad, not just because now we all know that he's very low level right now, but clearly the Mets signed him as a marketing tool a oh, little yeah. bit, right? Definitely a marketing tool. So if he comes up to AAA, A, how crazy would that be for you because obviously ticket sales and demand would go way up, and B, do you think it'll happen? Do you think it's something that um, you'll see happen? Now, obviously, he might not be a major league player. He probably isn't even a double-A player, but they might bump him up higher than his skill level to – basically see if they get their money's worth out of them i think it'd be fantastic for ticket sales i think it'd be it it would really really drive ticket sales to a to a new level but i don't think it'll happen um do you think they'll keep him at single a he hit he hit i he hit under 200 i think he hit under 150 in uh in the, in yeah, the but fall he's going to pray a lot about it over the off season and probably be up to two fifty by the time. Well, March what a, rolls and around. he did save that guy. He did. He sa- did. He did save I that just guy. think that clearly the Mets signed him not to stash him in like some rookie ball where no one will see him. I think it's not that they're going to call him to the big league roster, but they're going to put him at a higher level than he probably should be because a he's older. You know, like and it, and not I mean, triple it only a, cost him hundred grand to sign him. Yeah. So I mean, it was really no risk. Whatever he's at, single A, double A, triple A, he's going to help that affiliate, you know, with their ticket sales and things like that in the short term. Yeah, and the at least. thing with that is, I mean, the, I think the Mets, 
don't quote me on this, but I think the Mets own their double-A team in okay. Binghamton, and they might own the team in Port St. Lucie, Florida. They don't own our team, so I they mean, might, they if might they have. own the team, it's probably more beneficial for them to uh, to leave T-Bone in single-A. if he gets hot, he got, can't keep him down. He might be up in triple-A uh, and might be a guest on the podcast if Eric can pull some strings. Yeah, we can make that know. happen. That would be the greatest podcast of all time. Yep, I would be so excited. We can make that happen. Would you want to play catch with Tebow with a baseball or a football? What would be your first? Well, if he throw if he threw a football to me, I probably wouldn't be able to catch it because okay. it bounced off the ground. Okay, so oh. we have, have to go baseball. Are they going to say that you you can't catch? <laughs> no, I can catch. I don't know if he can throw. I gotcha. I think it'd be more impressive to say you caught a pass from a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback than I played baseball catch with a single A. <laughs> Player. Yeah, it sounds a lot better catching from yeah. a Heisman Trophy winner. So my dream, Eric, is if it happens, two requests. One is to get Tim uh, Tim Tebow on this podcast. Two is to uh, be like, hey, play catch. We might have to say that I have terminal cancer or whatever it takes to get me on the field with him. But well, you know. he'll, Then he'll save you, too. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, so that'll be exciting. As it, coming from a ticketing world, I was at UNLV when we got Anthony Bennett here. And it was like Boom. shooting fish yeah. in a barrel, literally. Yeah. Like everybody's calling up, where can I get seats? Not Tebow's not quite obviously the same thing, but you definitely would have more common uh, lower level fans not, at, and interest levels, I should say. And that's what I mean. That's what the Cubs games do for us, and that's what that's what Tim Tebow would do. And we've we had when we were a Dodger affiliate, we had uh, Rafael Fercal, Nomar Garcia Parra, Jason Schmidt, and Andrew Jones play down here uh, for one game or one or two games. And sales definitely jumped that day. It wasn't anything uh, earth-shattering. Um, Manny Ramirez played in Albuquerque, and they sold like 20,000 tickets a game uh, yeah. for the four games that he was there. I'll put my uh, ticketing hat on here from my experience. I'd say, you know, they come to that game, get that experience. Now maybe they're like, hey, I didn't know that it was so much fun down here. Or I always knew that Cashman was here, but it's not in my neighborhood, so I'm not going to come up here. and be like, oh, I had a great time because I came out for this star player. I'm going to come back next month with my family when I wouldn't have come back again, oh, yeah. you know, so yeah, for sure. It might, yeah. it might be worth the Mets just sprinkling Tebow like for a week or so, just to kind of I mean, each place. To we'd get love little, to have it. We'd yeah. love to have it. So come on Tim, Tim Tebow, come on over. Yeah. So, um, I'll take credit for that when it happens. So yeah, we'll give it to you. What's the best part of your job in ticketing and what is the worst part of your job in ticketing? The best part of my job is being able to, I think customer service is the best part of my job. I like to be able to service the clients and make sure that they are happy. I like to, I like to have groups at the stadium with with catering, and I like them to. I like I like to make sure that everything goes well for them. So I like I like making sure that the clients are happy. Customer uh, satisfaction. Yeah, dealing with the customers on a daily basis. Um, on the negative side, you do run into some customers that are that you can't win. I mean, there's no thing you can say or do that'll make them happy. And that is definitely a challenge, and it, it's frustrating. It's a it's a struggle. Sometimes. And ticketing, working in ticketing, it's um, very personal sometimes for some people. Now, minor leagues not quite as much of a passion as like a college, but at UNLV, I'd say the most difficult thing was dealing with like fan expectations or whether it be the team or what they're getting from their ticket cost, right? Where the ticket cost is too high or this or this or that, like unhappiness. Now, maybe it's a little different for minor league baseball. I mean, our biggest issue with, with our stadium is it, it's so old and it's antiquated. Um, we run into issues with concession, uh, concession, uh, concession air, um, so that that's that's the biggest issue is probably the food the product the food product, um, the ticket cost is it's ten bucks a game can't beat that it's family entertainment, uh, but the food is sometimes a challenge and we get a lot of complaints about the food. Yeah. But on that note, we have uh, a new concessionaire this year, 
Uh, the LVCVA signed a contract with uh, Center Plate, so it'll be the first year that we have a new a new concessionaire since um, since the stadium's been in existence. I mean, the LVCVA had Aramark for 44 years at the at the at the convention center, and now this year will be the first year with Center Plate. So it'll be something new, uh, probably new menu options, uh, and we'll we'll see if uh, see if they can do a better job than Aramark did. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, exciting. If you're a fan of the 51, something new to look forward to. Um, so yeah, so uh, we'll kind of transition here for all of our Wisconsin listeners. We uh, we'll talk a little Badger Badger sports now. Give everybody your background, where you grew up. Uh, people that are listening to podcasts uh, either know me or know I'm from Wisconsin. I went to the University of Wisconsin um, and uh, graduated in 2005. So I had season tickets for the Badgers. I worked in the athletic department there in the ticket office um, from 2002 till 2005. Um, what uh, you mentioned a few tidbits before the field house um what's your wisconsin background and give us a little little, uh little thoughts on that i grew up in madison wisconsin born and raised uh lived there for 18 years i went to madison memorial high school then for college i wanted to be in a bigger city with uh pro teams because i wanted to i wanted to get into sports and i thought plus you live there too i mean you grew up i i moved to madison because i lived in a little small town in northern wisconsin and that was big a big city for right. Me. I mean, if but if say the Bucks were in Madison, I would have wanted to yeah. stay there. Uh, so I wanted to work for I wanted to work for the Brewers and the Bucks. So that was my goal when I went to college. So I went to school at Wisconsin Milwaukee. Uh, had internships with the Bucks and Brewers uh, during college, and that um, the people I met there didn't necessarily help get me a job in Vegas because that was through a mutual friend in Madison. But uh, definitely gave me some experience that I wouldn't have gotten. So you basically Madison. knew someone that had a connection with the fifty ones. Yeah, a good friend of a uh, good family friend knew the president of the team, and I came out here for an interview. Don, Don Logan. Yeah, knew, knew Don Logan. His I wife came. has connections in Wisconsin, correct? Yeah, her uh, brother-in-law Jeff Horton used to coach at Wisconsin, so that's how we know. That's how we got to know Don, and then I I moved out here right after college for an internship and stayed. Been here for eleven years. Gotcha, gotcha, awesome. Uh, and then you started as a regular uh, ticket account executive, or did started, uh... as, started as an intern, a ticket sales intern, customer service, box office. Uh, then I got promoted to account executive, and then I've held various roles over the course of those uh, the eleven years. I've been director of season ticket sales, um, director of ticket sales, now I'm vice president of ticket sales. So yeah, those titles are always very creative. Uh, we had more creative titles. I used to, the, my actual title was a corporate marketing manager mm. when I first started, and that had nothing to do with what I actually did. When I worked for UNLV, it was for, through IMG, it was ticket sales account executive, which is a fancy term for call a hundred people on the phone and beg them to buy tickets. Basically, we didn't have to call. We don't have to call a hundred. We only have to call sixty a day. Oh, do you, are you got you cracking the whip behind them, or are you just we're not cra- we're not cracking the whip because gotcha. we have a seasoned sales staff that do a great job. There's no need to crack the. You know what it's like in the ticket world, though. It gets a little gets a little dicey sometimes. Some of those ticket managers get a little. Get not a little, me. Not I'm me. a laid back. I'm a laid back ticket manager. We're both big Badger basketball fans. We've watched games together yep. uh, over the years. Uh, this year's squad uh, started off with a couple of losses to uh, at Creighton and uh, in the Maui Classic at uh, against North Carolina it was kind of mm-hmm. an ugly game. Other than that, though, they've looked pretty solid. Um, my thoughts are this is a deeper team than we probably had in a lot of years. A lot of depth. There's some younger players. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Badgers this year, and what do you expect out of uh, Greg Gard's team? I think I I really like the team. I like uh, I like the mix of players that they have. I think it's gonna it's gonna come down to if Nigel Hayes and Bronson Koenig hit shots um, in in the tournament. I mean they're gonna have to make three pointers. They're gonna have to get the ball to the hoop. Uh, but it's going to come down to those two guys performing well in the tournament. I agree. I also think it's come down to Nigel Hayes 
not shooting as much sometimes, which we saw in that. He looked, uh, I mean, he looked good. In the Syracuse game when he decided to just be a facilitator. Yeah. He obviously someone told him to stop shooting threes. If you've been watching Badger games, they're like, why are you shooting so many threes? We have not that he can't make them, but with our offense the way it's set up, only what we we text you like, only wide open shots, Nigel. We don't need you taking ten threes a game. Basically. He looked great. He's looked great the last couple of weeks. He almost had a triple double. He missed a free throw for a triple double, but. In that Oklahoma game, he was he was unstoppable. I mean, he was making mid-range jumpers. He was making threes. He was going to the hoop. I mean, there was – so he has games like that. He needs to be a little more consistent, I would think. The wild card, though, is uh, Ethan Happ. In my opinion, actually, you can argue – obviously, Canning and Hayes have the experience. They're the well-known stars. But in my opinion, I think Ethan Happ is the main ingredient to all make the batter successful. And also, um, he keeps getting better and better, it seems like, every month as progression through his career. Um, I've heard people say this, but he really reminds me of Kevin McHale, being an old-school guy. Yeah. Um, kind of the same body type. You're like, you look at him, you're like, he doesn't look like much out there, but then all of a sudden he gets under the basket and he like pivots and goes 10 feet yeah, in a pivot. Like, very then, unassuming, but he's got great footwork. He's He needs to finish a little better around the basket. I think he sometimes he gets. We talked uh, about that last year, right? Remember, like you know, a little tentative around the basket. He gets bumped, and he he's maybe not strong enough. He's only a sophomore. He's only a sophomore, but maybe he gets bumped off his line, and he he misses a lot of bunnies inside. So I think he just needs to be a little stronger inside. But But that's our only concern. I think we're fine. I think we're good with him. I'm okay with that. I think I think they're gonna make a deep run, um, at least Elite Eight, hopefully Final Four. I think think I think they have the team that can uh, that can play well in the tournament. I'm very impressed with uh, with Trice. Trice, yeah, man, he's Great. good. Yeah. Uh, if you're a, he took the playing time from Jordan Hill. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like I said this is the year I, I can't remember the Badgers being so deep, and to the point where usually um, there's a couple guys on the floor. You're like, please don't shoot, get off the floor, guys. Charlie, Charlie Thomas doesn't need to shoot. Charlie Wills <laughs> bringing up uh, old guys throughout the years. You know, guys like that. You're like, why are they playing? I know, but this Charlie Wills is an old name. I don't need to pick on Charlie Wills, but guys he hits, that he had some big shots though. Yeah. He was on the Final Four team, Do you know what a he? Charlie Wills 3 is? It means your heels are on the three-point line and you brick a two-pointer. That's a Charlie Wills 3. I don't know. I thought he I thought he played hard, and he, I thought he had some, yeah. good, he would, he had some good minutes. That was yeah, that was 16 years ago. Was that in the, was he in the Final Four oh, team? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Him, Vershaw. Mark Vershaw, Kirk Penny. Uh, Kirk Penny was yeah. he was good. I mean, he, uh, Maurice I, Linton? I used to – yeah, Maurice Linton. <laughs> uh, John Bryant. Yep. I used to go to Wisconsin versus Marquette. It was Kirk Penny versus Dwayne Wade. Andy and Kowski. Andy Kowski. He was a big guy inside. Kirk Penny dominated those games against Marquette. And he was as good as Dwayne Wade in college. I have a Kirk Penny story for you. Let's hear it. My 21st birthday, I was at the Red Shed. Uh, people in Madison are familiar. It's uh, off of State Street. And I turned 21 and uh, was at, obviously, very inebriated during my 21st birthday. And I was playing pool. And Kirk Penny was there with his dad, who was from Australia. And at the time, I was working in the ticket office. New Zealand. Sorry, I said that. New I meant New Zealand. You're right. Uh, I was working in the ticket office, and I was working the player uh, pass gate. So any parents that would come, the tickets that were left for parents through the player mm-hmm. pass gate, different than Will College, you know, in the ticketing industry. Yeah. Uh, his dad would come through. So I worked there. So I was obviously lightweight, early drinker. And, oh, you know me from the ticket. Well, he's like, oh, yeah, like pretend like he recognized me. And I got to play pool with Kirk Penny and his dad on my 21st birthday party at the Red Shed. Can't beat that. 100% true story. My old roommate Ian was there. Uh, he could he can verify. So I wouldn't bullshit about uh, Kirk Penny. It's not that impressive anyway to anybody besides Eric and I and the dozens of Badger fans listening. But that was a pretty big deal at the time. Like he was, uh, he was a stud. He was a stud, yeah. Was... I wish he would have got – I wish he – I mean he was probably too, a little too small to play and uh, not athletic enough to play in the NBA. 
but uh, I mean, he was he was great for us. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot of good Badger. But like I said, I lived I lived in Madison for eight years. So after you left, I was, I was yep. there basically uh, for probably longer than I should have been. But uh, anyway, so let, let's uh, let's uh, t- touch on a little touchy subject for us right here: Badger football. Um, we watched some games this year as well. Yeah. Uh, better than expected year though. Better than expected. I'm not disappointed. And in fact, Dave and I uh, talked before about how. I didn't expect the Badgers to make the playoff even if they won. And right. they wouldn't I agree have, obviously. Um, because of the lack of quarterback play, the fact that we lost head-to-head to Ohio State and, and Michigan, Michigan yeah. really hurt us um, in that regard. But uh, it was surprising to me that, not that we lost, but the fact that our defense came up so many points. Yeah, I don't know what it was. They, I, the coaching didn't make maybe didn't make adjustments in the second half, but they Penn State was just throwing these underthrown these ducks under that were th- like yeah underthrown ducks and they were catching them and we would run into each other and it it was the worst defense I've seen us play all year by far. If you'd have told me that we would have lost because you know our offense sputtered that you know we lost like uh, sure it uh, happens all the time seventeen to yeah. six I'd have been like that sounds about right yeah. but to lose what you know forty to thirty eight or whatever it was or and we scored we scored three points in the second half I mean we didn't have any good drives in the second half uh, I think. I think Hornyback or Honeybrook hurt us a little bit by not playing. Um, I think he's a little more accurate than Houston, but Houston's got a better arm. Um, It'll help us in the long run, him getting that experience this year, I think, next year, not coming in with, you know, I'm kind of glad that he was, that they did the split time thing with Houston because. Houston deserved it. I mean, he was there yeah. for four years. And he was solid, but I'm glad that they didn't sit Hornybrook the entire time where he's, now he's experienced. He's yeah. been in the big house. He's been at these places against big teams and they'll have that going forward. He's only a freshman. We should have three good years out of it. And he brought us back in that Georgia State when we, we almost lost to Georgia yeah. State. Yeah. Nobody remembers that because oh, remember. we've had such a great run. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we almost lost to Georgia State. I mean, we were down in the fourth quarter in that game. Yeah. So, um, and. Bowl game. Uh, it's the Cotton Bowl on January second against uh, Western Michigan. My fiance is a Western Michigan grad. Oh man, and yeah. a Lions fan. And a Lions fan. So she's in all her glory right now. The one year the Lions are actually ahead of the Packers. Well, that's another story. We don't get along very well when we watch Packers Lions games. Yeah, I've been uh, especially at, the Hail Mary game last year. I'll agree. I've been at bars where uh, well, Eric will like take her shit a little bit, and she'll like come up to me and be like, "I'll just like uh, you're not my fiance. I can talk whatever I want." You know, it's just like I can't believe you just said that. I'm like. Well, I don't like the Lions. Like, I I, what I think is going to happen, it's going to come down to Week 17, Packers at Lions for the division. And winner goes home. Winner, there won't be a wild card at possibility. It's going to be no, win the division. Winner goes or, home. It's going to be Sunday Night Football, and Packers will beat the Lions to go to the playoffs. Jim Caldwell meltdown. You heard it here first. Yeah, we we, we played the Lions at Lambeau in September and dominated them. And the Lions have. What they they were trailing in every game in the second half until this game against yeah. the Saints or whatever. In the so fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, right? I mean, they could have lost at home to Jacksonville. They could have lost at home to uh, Washington. They beat. Um, they could have lost last week. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's. We'll see, but the Lions in first. Uh, we're six and six. I say we because me and you are sitting here as Packer fans. Uh, six and six, back in the hunt. A lot of people were jumping off ledges in wisconsin on facebook and social media um we discussed this we're not the biggest mike mccarthy fans in the world probably still coaching for his job but uh at the same time can we both agree that packer fans really don't know how good they have it and it's sort of a uh, i find it a little annoying sometimes I mean, there's so many teams with bad quarterbacks look at cleveland look yeah. at uh i mean even jacksonville they think you th- you think they have a great quarterback but blake bortles leads the league in interceptions last year he's a great I mean, fantasy quarterback because he gets a lot of garbage time yeah, I mean, we've had it great for, for 25 years. Can't beat it. I'm old enough to remember, pre-Domikowski, I'm talking Randy Wright, 
1987-88. For my dad took me to my first game at Lambeau in 1987 during the strike season. Forrest Gregg was the coach, and the Packers were dog shit. They were like the Browns. They were the Browns in the 80s. I mean, we've had it great. I mean, so, you can't beat how we've had it. The problem is, the majority of the fans now are under 30, and they only remember Favre and Rodgers, and that's it. So they only remember making the playoffs besides two years since and I 1991. Think we, I don't know if we underutilize Rodgers or we don't let him open it up, but I mean, the game they played against the Eagles was... Rodgers throw the ball to a stat, to uh, set up the run, and then the game against Houston, it was the exact opposite: run the ball to set up the pass. I don't know. I I think the I think you got to let him hit, win the game for you. And the, I mean, the running backs haven't done anything all year. So. A lot of fullback dives this year. Love the fullback dive, especially on fourth, fourth and, and one. one when you know it's coming every yeah. time. Mike McCarthy, what a guy! But I would I'll give him credit. He ha- he was a little creative in the Eagles game. He went with that that option. Yeah. And he threw the ball on those little five yard out passes or the five yard slants that, that was Packer bread and butter in, in two thousand ten. You think he'd realize that he's coaching for his job, so let's open it up a little bit. Might as well take chances because either way, I need this to work out for me or else I'm I don't in think trouble. I don't think they fire him at the end of the season. I think him and Ted are safe. I think if they make changes, they make changes in the coordinators. Yeah. Um, I Dom think, Capers I early retirement. <laughs> yeah, Dom Capers, yeah. I think they I think they blame the the injuries. I think they'll blame the injuries for not moving on. What about Winston Moss? Would you promote him to D coordinator? Because he's been a head coaching candidate. He's a, lot, he's a linebacker coach. And a lot of people, I don't know if he's regressed, but I know he was a candidate for the Raiders a couple of years ago as their head coach. Would you promote someone like that? Because it seems like uh, the team, you know, a lot of guys like him. Or would you go outside the box and grab someone completely new, redo the entire scheme well, of the when defense? D- when Dom Capers came in, we've, he's been there, what, 10 years? Yeah, it's been a long time. He was he was out, He was was uh, outside hire. Yeah, changed uh, it to to our. I don't know enough. About, I don't know enough about uh, the linebacker coach to say if he's a good defensive coordinator. Gotcha. Or not. Well, it could be. I'm saying if we do, that would be a possible fit. So, all right, let's wrap up this part here, uh, Eric. Let's plug everything. Fifty ones. Obviously, we want everybody listening to buy your tickets, buy your season tickets, bring groups out to the fifty ones. It's a great time. Tell them everybody website, Twitter, social media, where to find everything. Fifty ones website www.lv51.com. Twitter at Las Vegas 51s, Facebook at 51s Baseball, Instagram is at Las Vegas 51s. Um, you can call our office to buy tickets as well at 702-943-7200. Ticket packages are on sale today for Big League Weekend, Cubs and Reds, and also the 51 season. So we got everything available. We're ready to, uh, we're ready to start taking orders for next season and also the Big League games. Really? I mean, after... Christmas, it's only Christmas, the holiday season. It's only a couple months away till that first big league game. So Yeah, March 25th. We also have a holiday package, which is 10 undated vouchers that you can use any game throughout the season for, for 100 bucks. Also gets you uh, four 51s hats that you can give away uh, at Christmas and also two parking passes. And if you order before, if you order before uh, uh, December 15th, we'll guarantee delivery before Christmas. So Great Christmas, Christmas present, yeah. Great. Good Christmas gifts. Holiday gifts for everybody. So yeah. I'd like to thank Eric Eisenberg here for joining us for the historic first ever interview. We haven't really have a title for this. We'll call this, uh, I like the Tom Mathwick Show. So for Eric Eisenberg, this is Tom Mathwick. Thanks for listening. <laughs>